Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Hello and welcome to Editor's Note. I'm Yair Pinto, and together with me, as always, is TV7 Editor-in-Chief, Jonathan Hassan. How are you doing? Praise God. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm great. Yeah, it's been a very you know interesting week last week, and we have a lot uh, to discuss. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think let's first uh, invite the Lord to join us and you back at home with us uh, in prayer here in the studio. So please join me. Our Father in Heaven, thank you. Thank you for being in control. Thank you for being uh, a loving Father. We call on you to join us this program and to really speak to our hearts. It doesn't matter where we are, if we're back at home or here in the studio. We really want you uh, to be with us. We want to feel your presence and we want you to say something to us today. Bless this program, uh, bless Jonathan, bless uh, our team here behind the scenes. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen. And Jonathan, I think that uh, before we, we dive into the, the news topics that we want to go deeper on, it's very important also to share with uh, everybody back at home that uh, TV7 and what we do here is 100% donation-based. And the way we do it is by receiving support, which is in prayer, in finance, in comments, in information from uh, you. So we, we really believe that this is a, a family or a team effort of all of us together. And the more we, we receive, the more we can share and the more programs we can create. So we really encourage you to seek your hearts. And if God tells you to support our ministry, go to our website, tv7israelnews.com and make a financial uh, contribution. And it will go a long way in our day-to-day productions and future developments. So I just wanted to share that with you uh, back at home. But uh, Jonathan, okay, many topics uh, we can discuss today, but we wanted to start with Iran. Okay, uh, the announcement of Joe Biden, the president of the United States, about not removing the IRGC from the list of terrorist organizations. How does that, uh, you know, affect Israel and the Middle East? It's a big decision. Well, this was a big statement. This was actually made by the Israeli prime minister. He tweeted uh, that in a conversation he held last month with U.S. President uh, Joe Biden, uh, the American leader reassured him Mm -hmm. that uh, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is involved in so many acts of terror throughout the region, throughout the world, and also inside, uh, you know, it's terrorizing, literally, its population to keep them in line with a regime that does not have support of more than 10% of the population. So inside Iran. So the IRGC is being activated inside Iran against Iranian citizens. The IRGC is predominantly inside Iran. Mm -hmm. Its foreign component, the Quds Force, is the expeditionary uh, responsible 
of exporting the revolution, as they call it, mm -hmm. into other areas uh, here in the region, but also around the world. So it is a, a uh, unique organization in the sense that the RGC proper is also competing with other security organizations in Iran proper. And it is uh, an organization that also has embedded itself in uh, the institutions, in the economy. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways to try and dissuade the international community from sanctioning the RGC, which is responsible for acts of terror, it basically started to own the, you know, the banking systems I and see. all kind of other things that impact civic uh, society. So uh, the moment you sanction them, obviously the civilians are going to be impacted. Mm -hmm. But they didn't do this out of the kindness of their heart. They're corrupt to the core. Uh, there is corruption between the different... Uh, branches inside Branches it. also within yeah. uh, this organization. And honestly, uh, the more corruption there is usually, the easier it is for also intelligence organizations... To infiltrate the to, organization. To infiltrate the organizations. Because they can pay off the, the members. They can pay off the members. They can um, touch on sensitive spots, mm -hmm. uh, which then trigger reaction. Mm -hmm. And this allows for more access, basically, to the various um, uh, levels of, of that regime. The regime, the Ayatollah regime, uh, is working to try and uh, really root out all of that corruption, but yes. it's it's robust. It is across the board. Uh, while people are protesting in the streets and are crying um, for lack of food, uh, and this is seriously, we need to keep uh, the Iranian population in prayer because they are suffering. Mm -hmm. But they're not suffering because of the sanctions on an organization that is committing crimes it is suffering because of this specific organization is committing crimes and therefore it is being sanctioned. So it is all a matter of how you tell the story. And uh, as such, we need to keep that in mind. Of course, this allows us to see that uh, there is a lot of tensions in this regime mm -hmm. about sustaining uh, the, the pressure. Uh, right now, because of the, the conflict in, in Ukraine, Russia and Ukraine, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, the Russians are not as inclined uh, to sell as much as it used to to the Iranians. It's not as uh, capable of procuring also resources from the Iranians, but rather it is... Um, dealing much more with the Chinese at the expense of the Iranians, which which is quite interesting because really? the, the Chinese are currently, um, basically, they, they bought Iran. Okay? Yeah, and yeah. When we're looking at this, the 25-year agreement mm -hmm. of 40, 400 billion U.S. dollars. Uh, investment in Iran. Investment in Iran. Iran is in significant debt. You know, Iranians were going to the streets to protest against this agreement, people supporting the regime went out to the streets to oppose this wow. agreement because they, they looked at it and they realized, okay, we're going to be in debt. And China, as uh, it is quite clearly portrayed in, in Africa, which has been suffering from this for quite some time, um, the moment you can't pay back, 
that means that the the Chinese will take over your minerals, your um, resources, resources yes, uh, the factories, the and different all these um, strategic components of a country. Yes, and then they basically have uh, exclusive leverage over you. Of mm -hmm. course. You can defy them and say, okay, this is not going to happen and we're going to pass rules against this. But then you're going into lockerheads with uh, the Chinese. So yes. where do you want to uh, find yourself in this whole equation? Of course, strategic competition. Uh, you know, it's becoming more and more apparent that the Americans are not necessarily leaving the Middle East. They, they yes. want to provide assurances to regional partners. Well, before we get to the to the Americans, I was wondering regarding the IRGC, who who is their leader? Who do they answer to? Ultimately, they answer to uh, the supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, uh, who basically uh, appointed a uh, national security council or Islamic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, council uh, for security. And derived from that, you have Major General Hussein Salami, um, many people call him Salami, you know, but uh, he's not he's not that type of meat. Yeah. Um, Hussein Salami is a very astute and keen individual who who knows how maneuver politically within the uh, the regime mm -hmm. construct. Uh, and he has much support surrounding him. And he's loyal to, to the Ayatollah. He is loyal to Ali Khamenei. Yes, the, the Revolutionary Guards are very, um, they are the regime. Okay. So without okay. them, the regime would not be able to Without the regime, uh, well, without them, there is no regime. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, moreover, uh, opposed to the previous government of Hassan al-Khani, the current government in Tehran of Ibrahim Raisi um, has many uh, individuals mm -hmm. who have been senior RGC officials prior taking office in multiple capacities, the advisors surrounding them. So right now the regime in Tehran is, uh, or the government in Tehran is regime oriented. These are mm -hmm. the people of the regime. These are the zealots. Mm -hmm. who uh, truly seek to export the revolution and to do so at the expense of its neighbors, of its uh, of mm -hmm. the entire region and the entire world. They don't want to export it just to the Middle East. They want to export it beyond the Middle East. Mm -hmm. This is just the first and immediate step that they're undertaking. Yes, okay. yeah, and, and I'm sure that this is also part of uh, a spiritual warfare because we're talking about religion. We're talking about uh, a big branch of the, the Islam that wants to, you know, control the world and to fight uh, Christianity oh. and other <coughs> religions. Uh, it, it's not only about Shiite Islam. Of course, it, uh, it has various uh, challenges, but uh, the immediate aspect of exporting the revolution is to the Islamic world, to dominate the Islamic world first, and then from that to unite all forces of Islam for... Uh, uh, world domination, basically. For jihad, for yes. a religious war. Mm -hmm. okay? Jihad is the Arabic word for religious war, okay. a holy religious war, um, quote-unquote. Uh -huh. But uh, we need to stay tentative to, to realities on the ground. Um, the Iranians are currently engaged on the one hand in dialogue with the GCC countries, okay, mm -hmm. the Gulf Cooperation Council, uh, countries which are 
Saudi-led, okay, so Saudi Arabia, the kingdom, and uh, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and so on and yes. so forth. Um, these talks are not very fruitful, okay? This is just to try and, and mitigate some religious challenges. Yes. With Iran wanting to return to Mecca, to return to Medina for their uh, Hajj uh, yes. in order to go and pray. Every Muslim basically needs to, uh, once in his lifetime, travel on a pilgrimage, uh, which is called Hajj, mm -hmm. uh, to Mecca, to Medina, and then as a uh, word of reverence, these people are then called Hajj because okay. they are honored. They, they fulfill, the, uh, they fulfill the, the call of at least once in their lifetime to go to Mecca and Medina. So now Iranians are not allowed to do it. So that's why they're negotiating. So now uh, there are differences. Obviously, there's a lot of anger between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Iran is engaged in a proxy war in Yemen. Yes. Um, the, the reason for that is to outflank Saudi Arabia, okay? It's the southern From flank the south. of yes. Saudi Arabia, which then will allow it to take north, okay? Mm -hmm. to, to take over that yes. uh, area. Um, just this past week, even though there's a semi-cessation of hostilities, uh, there are breaches on a regular basis. But we see that more and more... Um, Incidents are occurring that may once again exacerbate that southern front yes. um, at the expense of Saudi Arabia. But right now, as long as there's dialogue... It's calmed down a bit. It is a little bit calmed down. Yeah, so it's very curious that they are negotiating and talking, and uh, in the sidelines, through proxies, the war keeps going on. Right. Yeah. Right. And... Um, we, had, we heard and we reported on TV7 Israel about the assassination of an IRGC uh, leader in Iran. And all the talks and all the rumors are say that the Mossad had something to do with it or is it involved in that. Is that true? Do we know? Can we assume something like that? Well, uh, I didn't hear the Mossad claim responsibility for anything. <laughs> Did the Mossad ever claim responsibility for yes. assassination? Okay. Yes. So the Mossad is is the intelligence organization mm -hmm. for foreign operations, obviously, um, in the prime minister's of, mm -hmm. office. And therefore, the person responsible for that um, is the prime minister. Okay, okay. so he, he's he the, the head he's of the... He's the head, of course. David Barna is the head, director of the Mossad, mm -hmm. but he answers to the prime minister. Mm -hmm. um, one of uh, the... the we won't go into the methodologies of, of the Mossad, obviously, uh, and those methodologies change all the time. I'm all sure the time. Um, if you think you know something one day, you're not in, in the know the next. Um, yes. But obviously we had here uh, just a, a interesting recording uh, of Watchmen Talk that will air in the near future. Mm -hmm where the head of intelligence of the Mossad came and, and obviously uh, provided some insight. First of all, it, it was a three-program series. Um, the first part, more about who he is as an individual, how he went up the ranks. Uh, he is a um, major general uh, in, in the IDF, uh, uh, originally from... Um, the Golani uh, Brigade, then he went to the, the intelligence, intelligence branch, branches, yes. uh, into uh, the Shkufot, uh, which is the transparent units, the units nobody 
knows what they do, how they do, why they do, and how all those uh, variables uh, mm-hmm. uh, take place. And from there, he went into the Mossad, which is a very natural transition. Um, either that or uh, Shabak, even though Shabak usually it's from a different unit mm-hmm. that uh, they go into. But uh, he provided some insight about the Iranian front, which is quite interesting. Uh, that's why um, I will uh, encourage our viewers to stay tuned for that program specifically. Um, but when we're speaking about uh, the, the assassination of uh, this Quds Force uh, colonel, um, who actually happened to be uh, serving in Syria for quite a while, roughly a year ago, there was uh, a uh, roadside bomb mm-hmm. that was placed along the border with Syria. Um, and then um, there was a clear understanding that the one which placed that uh, specific bomb was, uh, or the ones responsible mm-hmm. for that, were the Quds Force 840 unit. Uh, and uh, specifically this one who was assassinated was part of that unit at that time. So uh, is there a correlation here? May this be a, a reason for Israel to do so? Absolutely. But don't forget uh, the same specific colonel was also responsible for or very heavily involved in the drone production mm-hmm. and the export of those drones to the proxies in the region. So he had many enemies. He had many enemies. Other than Israel. Um, the RGC knows that local mercenaries or local militias yeah. were responsible for the assassination proper. Mm-hmm. These weren't Israelis. Those weren't the Mossad uh, or any other type of um, uh, intelligence agency. There's no point. If you can pay somebody to do your job, why would yeah, you Yeah, you don't do need to risk your own people. Exactly. Then. And if you're... Um, interests align even the better you know so in this circumstance um, I I don't think at least from what I could um, gather from from that specific incident that uh, the Mossad was in any way involved Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. uh, proactively uh, to say the matter Uh, whether or not the Mossad was the one who paid the the, um, assassins mercenaries or whomever they were uh, I don't know, and nobody would know at this mm-hmm. stage or in any other stage, okay, because there, there are so many variables in this yes. world. But uh, the fact of the matter is, and this is the importance of this whole um, assassination uh, that occurred, all those people responsible for pulling the strings with regard to threatening Israelis abroad, as was also one of the reports that uh, mm-hmm. spoke to heart of this uh, specific uh, incident, they're not safe. And this is something that Israel has said vocally, mm-hmm. as opposed to others who say it quietly. But whoever seeks to target Israeli citizens, whoever seeks to target Israeli um, installations, interests around the world, mm-hmm. needs to know, and, and they know, Okay, it just maybe the coin hasn't yet dropped that wherever they may be, um, the arms of Israel's intelligence agencies, the arms of Israel's defense establishment um, will get there and will make sure that this threat is eliminated. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
this has nothing to do with the assassination right now, but this is something that needs to be understood. Uh, out of this, miscalculation can occur. Yes. But the responsibility of the Israeli defense establishment, as is the responsibility of um, uh, the U.S. Armed Forces or Defense Establishment or Canada's or Australia's or the Netherlands or Finland, their responsibilities is to protect their citizens. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if a threat emerges, they will act. Okay, same goes for Israel. Um, okay, yeah, that's, that's really good to, to hear. And I think it's, if, even if we don't know if Israel was involved or not, it is a message that Israel wants the world to know that what you said, that we will reach those who try to harm Israeli citizens, installations, etc. around the world. Right, right. And and this has been uh, government policy for since the establishment yes. of the state, we've obviously. Seen, we've seen the, by the way, not only Israelis. <clears throat> Excuse me. Also, Jews living abroad. Uh, uh -huh. Okay. Jews living abroad. Israel is the, uh, the nation state of the Jewish people. Will take care of Jews living abroad, wherever they may be, to ensure that never will Jews come under attack, defenseless, mm -hmm. uh, in the face of you know anti-Semitic uh, acts or any other uh, yes. situation or circumstance. Well, that's that's actually a good connection to move to. The next topic I wanted to talk to you about, which is the, the Russia-Ukraine uh, war. And, uh, you know, Israel and Russia has have a relationship. Also, Israel and Ukraine has a good relationship. And there are many voices towards Israel, towards the United States, of why don't you use your Iron Dome anti-missile anti defense system in Ukraine? Why not placing a bunch of these, you know, anti-defense missile systems in Ukraine on the border to protect the citizens, to help the Ukrainians, mm -hmm. but it's not happening. And why is that? Well, um, Iron Dome, Patriot, every other type of, mm -hmm. of uh, system that is not integrated into um, Ukrainian know-how, let alone Russian know-how, um, is not going to find its way into Ukraine uh, for one simple reason. Mm -hmm. In order to deploy the Iron Dome into Ukraine, you will have to put boots on the ground um, in Ukraine to protect the facility, to have the people operate I this see. sophisticated system. Uh, it's not uh, within a day or two that you can teach how this system... Uh, it's not a do-it-yourself manual. No, and it is top secret, uh, mm -hmm. beyond top secret. Um, technologies that will be vigorously defended and protected. Same's go, uh, same goes for the Patriot. We can see that uh, just this month, you know, uh, Slovakia mm -hmm. deployed S-300, which is the Russian manufactured uh, surface-to-air systems in uh, Ukraine, because the Ukrainians used to have those systems as well. They have them in uh, yes, so diminished capacities because many of those were destroyed. Um in order to provide some defenses to the western side of, of Ukraine, uh, and they gave it to the Ukrainians. As a result, the United States provided patriots mm -hmm. into Slovakia to protect Slovakia. I see. Okay, so the patriot, the Iron Dome, which is, by the way, everybody always says uh, the Iron Dome is an Israeli system. Yes, it is Israeli, but it's also American. Yes. There is here... A joint uh, understanding. Mm -hmm. uh, every side has veto power. The United States never requested of Israel 
to deploy the Iron Dome into Ukraine. Uh, there were some reports about this. Mm-hmm. They were completely false. Uh, moreover, if Israel would have even wanted, the United States would have blocked it. I see. So. Okay, so this wouldn't happen because there are different um, challenges in Ukraine. Of course, uh, when we're talking about uh, the reason Ukraine was asking for the Iron Dome to compete against uh, the the cruise missiles, mm-hmm. the Iron Dome doesn't intercept cruise missiles. Okay? Ah, so it's not the same it's system. It's not the system here. for that specifically. So, again, it is... A lot of propaganda uh, taking place, a lot of frustrations, of course, being within such a situation in which um, the, you know, surface-to-air batteries are a very desired commodity. Not only so uh, that Ukraine is lacking this, Europe is lacking this. Yes. Germany just closed a deal with Israel for the Aero 3, okay? Why? Because several years back, the former chief of uh, staff of the Bundeswehr, the last one, uh, he actually took out most of the air defenses because Mm -hmm. they they didn't see this as something necessary. But now with all that is happening in Europe. So now they they have uh, come with a hundred billion euro uh, plan beyond, of course, the more than two or three percent of uh, their GDP to uh, to increase the military. Increase the military. Um, This is not what the Russians expected Mm -hmm. to see Germany suddenly uh, quadruple its uh, military might uh, within just a couple of years. You know, so this is going to really changed nature of Europe as a mm. whole, of, of the Middle East as a whole. There are going to be significant implications to all of this. Uh, and we need to wait and see. But uh, mm-hmm. again, you hear people say, oh, Israel is uh, not supporting Ukraine enough. It's not giving us the Iron Dome. It's not this. It's not that. Well, excuse me, but um, whoever says that doesn't understand military affairs, doesn't understand strategic affairs, doesn't mm. Uh, take in mind national security concerns of Israel uh, and only thinks in the narrow, you know, pathway of what I see and what I hear may be the solution to this. Definitely. Well, not everything you hear is true. Uh, And most of the things within, uh, especially conflict, you know, I always say... First uh, casualty of war is truth, you know, yeah. Ryan Johnson. And also, everything is connected, as we yeah. always say here. Indeed. If we take one effect in Ukraine, it will affect Israel, will affect Syria, will affect the Russia. So the world is connected. It's very complex. That's why we need to keep, in, uh, keep you know, watching and following up and praying. We have With maybe... That being said, yes. God is in control. <laughs> and we can lift up our concerns to him and and pray that he will intervene Um, because one individual cannot change the world, Mm -hmm. um, but God can. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jonathan, for for this program. Very interesting. Pleasure. Thank you to you back at home and stay tuned. Come join us and watch our programs. And until next time, see you again on another episode of Editor's Note. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.